Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. And today we're joined by actress, producer, director, writer, Lena Dunham. We had the opportunity to meet Lena mid-pandemic. As you may know, Liam was a part of her movie, Sharp Stick, that will be released nationally on August 5th. And as parents, we were so pleasantly surprised by the love and humanity and inclusion and all the beautiful things that make up this artist. It helped us on our journey with Liam because it was a moment of reprieve where I think we've talked about before just our fight for Liam's education had really impacted us in ways that we weren't even aware of it. And just having this opportunity to go from a fight for your child's civil rights to an environment of pure inclusivity. It was life-changing. She is a beautiful human, and we are so honored to have her with us here today. So welcome, Lena Dunham. Good morning. Hi. We thought that we'd have them say hello first. Liam, Sophia, hi. Hello. Liam, your long hair looks so cool. Do you like it? Yes. You look amazing. How old are you now? 12. You're 12? You're so big. And Sophia, I love your dress. Thank you. How are you two doing? Good. Good. Liam's about to graduate from fifth grade. Yes. And Sophia is just finishing her first year of high school. Oh my God. How's high school, Sophia? (laughs) It's good. I like it. I got into Laksha. Oh my God. That's a huge deal. Yes. That's like such an amazing opportunity for you to just take it all in. And also you are really starting to look like twins with your mom and it's thrilling. (gasps) That's such a compliment. You're both so beautiful. But in the last year, your like faces have just like turned into these twin faces. It's so amazing. Thank you. No one's going to have any doubt about who your parents are. (laughs) I'm so happy to see you. Are you still excited? Do you still want to make movies, Sophia? Yes, I do. Do you want to make movies, Liam? Yes. You know, Liam, people tell me all the time what a good actor you are and how amazing you are in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good to see you, Sophia, me and too. good luck with everything. And I, I hope that I get, to, we're going to be in California for screenings of the movie. So I hope you'll come. Thank oh, you. That's sweet. Yeah, we'll figure out something. Yeah. Okay, good. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. It's so good to see you. It's so nice to be reminded of what amazing children you have. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. And I, it's, I'm serious. The amount of people who have called out Liam's performance is just like so naturalistic. He has a great moment in the trailer too. I just watched the trailer and there's a part where he's like, bye-bye mom, mm. which is a line that he basically improvised mm-hmm. and two beautiful shots of his face in the trailer. 
Well, that's one of the things that about your film, Alina, that was, man, we've, we've had Liam since, you know, he was born and we didn't know anything about Down syndrome and the road that we've been on, like Down syndrome has identified our son and it's identified so many challenges that we've had and his fight for education and all of these things. And it's been transforming like as far as a family in such a great way, but especially with school and it chipped away, I feel at, at a, at a part of us and kind of hardened it and going into your film, like the whole process it just opened our eyes to one that maybe we had been changed in a way that we didn't want to be changed, but just the good that is out there in the world. So happy. The good and the acceptance and the real inclusion. From out of the gate, your film was inclusion how it's supposed to be. And I always say like when I when I can stop fighting for inclusion, that, that means it's inclusive. Like if I don't have to say the word that we're there and that's really how we felt with your film. Well, it means so much, but you two were such a huge part of how that character is developed and perceived in the movie. And you gave so much of yourselves to the story and taught us so much because, you know, I had written the script, as I told you, I, I felt very compelled to include a character with Down syndrome, but I didn't know exactly why. And it was also important to me that we don't talk about it, that they're just there and a part of a family. And what I found so impressive about you two is you were protective of Liam in the right ways, making sure that he got what he needed so that he could succeed, that we all understood how his needs differed versus how we might be over coddling him. But then you also just gave him freedom to be himself on set and to, just like any other actor and any other kid. And I found it so inspiring in the conversations that we ha I had individually with both of you when you came to set about your experience as his parents really impacted the way that we, um, you know, that way that we portrayed him on screen. And the, the only thing I felt going into it was that I didn't want it to be a dialogue. I wanted it to just be the reality of having this member of your family who may have these specific needs, wants, desires. And I mean, Liam blew us all away. Not that we went in with preconceived expectations about what he could or couldn't do, but with any kid who comes on set, no matter what their, um, you know, formal diagnosis is, you go, okay, kids are unruly, unreliable, you never know. And he surprised us in all the most amazing ways and brought so much levity to our days and inspired us. And like the days with Liam were my favorite days on the whole movie. I've never seen a movie and rarely have moments when Liam is introduced to a group of people or just even one person where Down syndrome isn't said those words aren't aren't said and that's what uh, that idea that you mentioned that we weren't even going to mention it I believe that's not very common I think that comes from a personal place for me which is that there have been so many things in my life and my career that I've been identified as whether it's overweight woman a chronically ill woman uh like there's so many our business is so desirous of putting tags on people and whether it's you know feminist not feminist enough and I'm like really, I don't like constrictive language. And so I liked the idea of a movie where lots of people had lots of things going on. And all it did was just contribute to the patchwork nature of what it's like to have a family. And I see that with you and your kids, like you're just as concerned with Sophia and the specifics of who she is, as you are with Liam and the specifics of who he is, which is really, to me, the mark of a successful parent is someone who can perceive 
who doesn't put like a blanket set of needs or demands on their child, but actually lets them show who they are. And I also just love your family because you're all so different and yet you're all so creative. It's like this amazing symbiotic thing where each of you has your own form of creative expression. And then when it all comes together, it's like this symphony. Hmm. Thank you. I really have to say, like, I know it's just going to sound like a gushing session, but it inspired me so much because of the fact that I know I'll be a parent through adoption and my family's going to can look a lot of different ways. And the idea of just like embracing both the differences and the commonalities in your family and finding like a common cause, the fact that you make films together, the fact that you are all interested in acting and that you yet you also give your kids space not to want to do that. It's just really cool. I think this could be a, like, because I feel like on our end, it's just, I feel like just gushing over just <laughs> you. Because every time you're... I talk about you guys, I tear up. I'm not oh, kidding. Man. Like every time I talk about you, I tear up and it's makes me feel crazy because we haven't actually gotten to spend, especially because we did the movie in a pandemic. We spent such limited, concentrated periods of time together, but they were really important periods of time. And, and I learned so much from them. So it's like, and then I got to get into your work and watch the films that you've made as a family. And is that, what is that film festival you guys do? The Disability Film Challenge? It's the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, yes. We've participated since the second year. Nick Novicki is the one who created it. So that way there'd be more disability, um, just to, people that representation in, in films. And it's fu- it's a fun exercise because you get, it used to be 48 hours and and now they since the pandemic they opened it up a couple extra days but it just stretches you to you know in that time period to write and shoot and edit make something and, and i always think at the very least we've got something to look back at in 20 years and go look at this snapshot have, of us you, you have know? this we watch our kids grow from each year it's so awesome it's so cool and i got to go on your site and watch all of them and i had a question for you too which is what are because when we were getting ready to make the film, I wanted to watch films that had really, um, you know, and, and it was in education. I wanted to make sure that we were using all the correct language on set. I wanted to make sure that we had the correct, you know, tools that Liam would need. But also I just was like, what are the films that really accurately and successfully represent disability? And I wondered if there are any you can call out where you're like, okay, that movie did it and they did it really well. Or any things that you've watched that you think really resonated with you. I'd say your movie is top of the list. Before that, it was coming down the mountain. Julianne Robinson created it. It really, as far as gives you an open, honest conversation, um, the main actor in it, he's a he's a brother and his brother is mad at him because of the challenges he's caused in his life. And it's very, it's very honest and, and yours. And I'd say that that's... It's interesting because it's made me much more sensitized meeting Liam to, like maybe before I wasn't as sensitized to portrayals specifically of Down syndrome. And what I now notice in movies that I don't like is when people try to almost like place background of people with who are you know have disabilities or are differently able to try to like almost create a sense that like you're in like a rougher environment or a strange environment or people in some way fetishize disability and so there's certain films where it's kind of treated like an almost aesthetic quality and those are some things that maybe I wouldn't have noticed before because I didn't have a relationship with someone with Down syndrome and now they stand out to me and that's just like the beauty of dialogue most the most joy that we had was we read all of the reviews and only one person out of all of those reviews could 
name that Liam had Down syndrome. Like they, they didn't either know or they would call it something else. And you just presented our son without any labels. And because you did that, nobody else could put a label on him. And it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing at all. It like, meant so much to me because it was interesting. The reviews from the movie, it's just come out at Sundance, but we had some beautiful reviews. We had some people who understood the film less. That always happens with my work and I'm always prepared for it. But I loved the fact that no one said, oh, this family is struggling because they have a child with Down syndrome. They'd say, this couple has grown apart because they have tension. They have an 11 year old son and she's pregnant. And occasionally they might say he was dealing with learn a learning disability or a develop, but it wasn't like, um, it didn't become the topic of conversation. And that was really joyful for me too. And I also think it's just a testament to how free you let Liam be in himself. That like, really when you watch his character on screen, you're like, oh, this kid's incredibly funny. He's loving, he's perceptive. Like there's a million qualities you would name before you said, he has Down syndrome. And by the way, that's the same way it is to meet Liam. Like he's actually one of the funniest people I've ever met. Funnier than most comedy writers. <laughs> My favorite was when I was like, he'd done two takes. And then I was like, can we do a third? And he was like, no, you said two. And I was like, okay, so we know he's an actor. He's definitely a Hollywood actor because he said, no, you said two. And he's going to go back to his trailer now. I was dying. Also when I did a stunt and then he was like, I'm going to do that stunt. And every time I would do it, like flop down on the mat, he would then do a round of it. And Ashley, I'm going to send you the stills. She filmed every round of Liam, like flopping down, doing his stunt. And we were all, it also brought so much levity to the day because it was a really sad scene, a really intense scene. And then it was like, we had the joy of Liam just doing the stunt and also how vast his sense of himself is that he's like, yes, what, like I can hold the camera. I can do the stunt. Like his he doesn't seem to have any sense of limitation. And I think that speaks to how your household hasn't imposed, because I think some parents in being protective impose a sense of limitation. I mean, I even know just having had chronic health problems as a kid, how your parents, my parents are amazing, but how their fear can somehow be constricting. And you guys keep such an open container for Liam. I'm always fighting um, just letting my kids be themselves because I know that's the right thing to do, but but I'm still working on it. What, what you do, though, is if you do just let them be, you realize that that's what's perfect. You know, like you can try to corral and I mean, obviously, there's things to be polite and things you do. But in both my kids' cases, they're themselves. And this is the moment we have on this earth. And they're going to be themselves. And we all experience that. And, and the times I've tried to, I hate to say squash it, but I didn't try to squash it, but I did. I, I see that that wasn't what was organic. When it, when it was organic, it, it all worked. And it was true. So beautiful. We imposed the same structure on both of them. So it's not that Sophia has this structure because she's a teenage girl and Liam has this because he's a boy with down syndrome. They both have the same expectations. And because of that, he sees his sister and she sees him as equal. Like there was actually a point in, so in Sophia's life, like a couple years back where I had to say, Sophia, you just remember your brother does have down syndrome because she would, there was such an equality there that at some point I'm like, don't wrestle his head off or just let, let him have a little bit of space. Just consider this. Well, it's, it's amazing to watch them because they're so supportive of each other. They're the two children I've seen who, while still being playful, are the nicest to each other of any siblings in the world. So whatever you're doing, 
is working. Like they left and we were like, oh, those children are handling life perfectly. And, you know, I think also it's so important. I think so many parents inadvertently tell their children different stories about themselves. And then it's, they each have to kind of live with the story that's been pushed on them by their families. And, and it's a really amazing thing when you just kind of create this equal playing field for them. And I'm sure like when you said that thing about how you were closed in certain ways, you didn't want to be like, I experienced you two as incredibly open and incredibly generous, but also just having a very clear sense of what your child's needs are. Oh, thank you. And it was also the middle of a pandemic. He'd been being homeschooled. I mean, you mentioned that there's, you know, that there was some like immune system concern. And so I thought you just, I thought you handled it incredibly well and were incredibly kind of just clear about what was required while also being really open with everyone. I think what we saw was what our expectation was. Our expectation was was fear based. Like yeah, we that were we were scared. afraid that um because you ultimately have the power of how you depict our son through editing and the shots like you do with any actor. But there was that fear because we were used to maybe we were used to people not really being on his side, not trying to highlight his not ability. Seeing him the way we not see him. seeing mm-hmm. him for who he is you were worried someone would almost and it's right for you to be worried about this that someone would kind of go okay we're using this as a prop to show kind of what disability does to a family or whatever and that they would pick the shots of him where he actually seemed the least bright and the least shiny and the ones where he or the one where he was you know having a stressed out moment or whatever and create a portrait of him that actually wasn't accurate and that's the right way to be protective well, to go back and when you were asking about our opinion of movies we've seen that depict disability in the way that we would like to see depicted, we couldn't list a lot, right? And so that is a, a, a that's fear what we, we went. Had. Yeah, that's the fear. That was a that was you know our, seeing any of your children maybe being taken advantage of just because of the industry. We know how it is, and um, totally. I know that was really hard for my parents to watch me moved through the industry in my twenties and they had a real concern for my health. And I, you know, grew up with health issues with OCD, with anxiety and, and having very specific stuff going on. And they had so much fear. And they also, every situation that I went into kind of open-hearted, my parents were like, yes, we hope it's going to be great, but remember what this can be. Well, as an artist, you can produce art that exposes your soul so much and you bring and then to put that out in the world depending on how many people see it but still it doesn't matter right when you're an artist and no matter how great x amount of people think it is like life-changingly great there's going to be x amount of people that completely hate it and like we got so mad reading some of those reviews because in my heart I was thinking first of all be, beyond this film just the way you break down barriers and tell stories with such courage and openness and rawness Thank you. you create a foundation of diversity and inclusion that's never like it's not easy that's why know, it doesn't happen but people it's not don't even easy. know that that's what they're watching and that's how it becomes yeah. real in life is that people don't know they're watching something other than what it is and it becomes a natural phenomena inclusion yeah. and when some of those interviews that we read i i was so upset because they all the mean ones unkindness is a choice and, and that was a choice. And I thought out of, I, I got so upset because I was like, you know, the people who wrote, I, I wanted to write them and say, first of all, 
The first thing you need to do is take a course because you just used the wrong word describing my son, but you're going to, you're going to now pick on someone who actually has the courage to go out there and be an artist. And we were very upset about the mean people. Only one review I read that used, I actually reached out to, I don't know if it was a variety or the Hollywood reporter who had used a word to describe Liam that was just like old fashioned and wrong. Mm. It was just once. And I asked them to take it out and it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with Down syndrome, but it had to do with maybe they were trying to describe a learning disability and they did it in a way that was stunted and insensitive. And it was just interesting to see how people are so judgmental and yet can be so unconscious. And, and I think I've had to really, I mean, thank you so much for everything you said. And I felt so supported by you too. And it's, you've really become like dear and important friends. And I feel really lucky, but you know, I think you almost have to pretend like there's another like avatar of you out there that people are responding to because it's not, it's people who don't know you and are responding to a version of you that is like a projection. And I used to really feel it and maybe ask questions about, is that who I am? Is if that's what they're saying, is that who I am? And then it's like the same instinct where I'm like, I actually don't want to be labeled and I don't want to be told who I am by strangers. And so I think as artists, it's good to have reviews that challenge you. And when people ask questions about, okay, the filmmaking and they push back on narrative choices, that stuff is all par for the course and it's good to take it in, but you have to find a way to like accept kind of conscious criticism and then deflect the stuff that is literally just like kind of randomized cruelty and recognize that we're living through such a hard time. So many different people are living in so much fear. And sometimes the only way that they can sort of experience control is to exert their voices like especially like that's one of the things the internet is great for is lots of people who felt unheard can share what they feel but also like in a country where we you know don't have universal health care and roe v wade's about to be overturned and we're dealing with gun violence and we're in the middle of a pandemic and people's livelihoods are being threatened people are really scared and i think that's really easy to we all know what it's like to you know be in a in a tough place and channel your energy into a moment of gossip or a moment of human weakness. And some people take it a little further. Well, it doesn't take many of those. I think that it could really impact. And I, I kind of think of old school Hollywood. I don't think it happens as much anymore, but where people, people's names weren't their original names that they were born with, you know, they have their stage name. Totally. And I go, wow, what a great way to disconnect from that kind of stuff. Oh my God. What I would give to have a stage name. Sometimes when I got married and like changed my name, just as a private thing, I was like, oh, it's so nice and relaxing to have another name. When I go out, I'm like, this is lovely. And the nice thing is if you've been off TV for a few years, people stop recognizing you, which I don't mind when I do get recognized, but I like that there can be that, that I miss so many, even though I didn't live through old school Hollywood, I still read about it. I'm like, I miss that. Well, everything that you just said, I think is, you know, I, I, I think about that our, our paths crossed and the, all the things that I learned and just going into you know, just the film and gaining trust really in, you helped us gain, start to gain trust again so and wow. see ourselves. And by the way, just, you know, that's what it's like for any actor, like any actor who comes into a film and you two know this because you are actors and any parent of an actor has to gain trust, whether their child it has Down syndrome, whether they themselves are just afraid that they're going to be reduced to some part of themselves that they're self-conscious about. Like it involves, I really take the fact that as a director, people are trusting you to create an environment. And when, if anyone ever tells me that they have any issue in that environment, I take it so seriously because it's the one place where I'm like, I can create the world 
that I would want to live in where it's like people are being respectful to each other. People are well-fed people aren't like, it's the same reason I like to really wrap up. I don't like to go into overtime, like these certain things where you're like, okay, we have this brief moment. So everyone has to gain trust when they come in and you two were no exception, but had probably certain reservations that came from, you know, the fight that you've had to put on in your life. And I feel like we are lucky when it comes to having disability in our lives, because and I've said this so many times too, there's a a pretty big percentage of the world that loves Liam just from the start because of Down syndrome. And there are people that see his disability as soon as they see him and will make an accommodation or many, many times way too much. You know, it's like you let him get away with everything. But yeah, but there are so many different disabilities in the world that are unseen or or are seen as maybe aggressive or maybe people want to really stand off. And we have that as well, but it's the percentage I think is lower. And, and that can be such a detriment. I think people see Liam and they just feel such, I mean, he radiates so much, just like hilarity, love, goodness. And, but I also like that you do hold him accountable and you're like, okay, just because of this doesn't mean like, you're like, I love how you're like, say hello, do it this way. Like you're very um specific in, in manners and all of that, which is how I plan to be with my children too. I'm, I don't want any, you know, children going over to anyone's house and, and being sassy to them. Your children will, are so fortunate. They're so fortunate. Just in the little bit that I've known you, like when you, when you were just talking about even how you handle the criticism, I mean, it's such a gift. And if I would have had that talk at the beginning of this journey, what you're saying about just the criticism and having that understanding of humanity and why people act in a certain way and being able to put it into perspective. You know, that Sundance was just a little microcosm of the experience of putting a movie out in the world because at Sundance, it's mostly industry people who see it. And then, and by the way, they can still be totally savage, but it's like people with it. And then once the movie goes out wide, what's cool is you get to have it go to the people who might need it. Like maybe there's a family who's going to see it and be like, we have a kid like Liam and this is amazing for us to see. Or someone who finds out that there has just found out that their child has Down syndrome and wants to see a depiction that gives them hope for someone in, for their kid in 10 years. Or my thing is like, I love when the work finds the people who need it. And oftentimes those work are, people are beyond the little microcosm of our industry. And so there's going to be so much love for Liam, but also there will be more criticism because it will be going out on a mass level. And my thing is I'll probably plug my ears for most of it. And then I just let my mom alert me if something's especially nice, because she will always tell me, but I'm also just really like, it's not hyperbole to say that probably the thing I'm most excited about is for people to see Liam and how he's just integrated into the family. And I love like his interactions with Christine and John Bernthal are some of my favorite things I've ever captured on film because they're so, his ability, one of, I think his gifts, and I don't know how this is connected to Down syndrome, you'd know better than me, is his ability to be present on camera. Like most kids are such self-conscious actors. They do that kind of little like Broadway musical voice. Most adults are self-conscious actors. And Liam has what literally every actor wants and like what Marlon Brando was talking about, which is the ability to the camera rolls and he is completely present where he is. He will play. Mm-hmm. When he was introduced to Christine and John, he knew them as people. And then we just talked about who you guys were going to be yeah. when we're in front of the camera. And I don't know if he 
as much separated that except he just said this is what we're going to play well he loves movies he always has he does that amazing thing where he speaks along to the movies on his ipad he like memorizes full scenes from the avengers and stuff doesn't he oh yeah yeah Yeah. totally yeah he's like quoting entire scenes from the avengers to me where i was like you're better at memorizing lines than like most people have been doing this forever Mm -hmm. and there was a little improv part in the movie where he kind of just grabbed christine and and john and, and and pushed them together it was amazing it was like Oh man, I mean, he because he was understanding that they need to be together, hold hands or whatever. Yeah, you know? it was amazing, and that moved the moment stayed in the movie, and then also the moment where he whispers to Christine, "You're my best friend." Yeah, and he added that, that and I was like, I, my jaw was on the floor behind the camera because it's like that's the kind of thing where I never would have thought of it. Christine's reaction, he pulled Christine completely into the present because her only reaction could just be like radiating love. And then he cinched the scene up because, you know, for people who are going to see it, this character of his babysitter, Christine, is having a bit of an affair with his dad, who's played by John. And it's almost like Liam kind of picked up on that energy and was kind of, he pushed them together in a moment where he whispered to Christine, who then reacts to him and John reacts to that. So he was really the center of the scene that created. And also it was great because like you could just say, OK, Liam, like play with these markers or draw some art for us or play with blocks and he wasn't wondering where the camera was. And that's the gift that every actor wants is to be able to just let the camera go and be. And, and I have to say, you two were amazing. I mean, you, Stephen, were like totally, I saw from the first audition, the way that you were able to just kind of like, you read the scenes as a family, which was amazing with Sophia too. And you were able to coach him and give, you were like his acting coach. Like you were just giving him exactly what an acting coach would do, which is give them context for the given context for the scene, then let him soar. What was that like for you to sort of, I mean, I know you had sort of directed Liam in your own shorts. Was it similar to that? Like you would just kind of give him a situation to work with? Yeah, we talk about what it was about, you know, just all the, not the actual dialogue, just what we're about. And then hoping that he would deliver it's same, dialogue. It's the same way we does. support him in his schoolwork. That's like, yeah, it's, it's kind like, of it's a lot of front loading, right? A lot of front loading mm-hmm. and, and finding success of just say, as, as long as he, it's like a, any human, you know, like if you know what you're doing, it makes things easier. And so I think we've had that experience because especially after, in during the pandemic, you know, really seeing that that's all he needs to be successful is to know what he's doing. Yeah. And repetition is always good for him. I've learned that along the way too, is just because great for a lot of people, right? I mean, you want to. That's how I learn. And it's amazing to see someone just sort of it, you really would it was kind of amazing you would kind of give him the situation and then without him reading the script he would instinctually deliver dialogue that was basically exactly what had been written because he really felt the situation and had an intuition about it it's funny the only other actor I've worked with who has that kind of immediacy who just like almost psychically understands what the line should be is Adam Driver so I was like that's a pretty good person to compare him to I'm like two very strong actors who kind of can psychically guess what their lines should be. So Liam has a bright future and will be the star of many Star Wars movies. Liam We're is gonna kind let of Liam a fan know. of Adam Driver. <laughs> oh, he loves, he loves him some Adam Driver. He loves him some loves. Adam Driver. Like all the coolest people, Liam loves him some Adam Driver. Right. Um, also, what was so funny was that moment where there was the scene where Christine's character is yelling some sexual things at our family. And we were like, well... Liam, it's not about him having Down syndrome. It's about him being 11. We don't want him to hear these words, which are not really appropriate. 
So we didn't, on her shots, we just shot them. And then we turned around to Liam. She would yell like, Liam, I love you. You're the coolest. Let's eat carrot sticks. And he was like, yeah. And it was so, his reactions were so perfect. And it was fun. It wasn't because of his disability. It was what I would do with any kid, which is some directors might, I would not personally feel comfortable exposing a kid to someone yelling, you know, the words anal and bukkake at them. So that's why we... (laughs) Even when I saw it, I we was appreciate so, that. Lena. Oh yeah, when I saw it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, wait, did I let that happen?" I go, "No, wait, that's edited so nicely." No, we were not going to let him do that, and that was the scene where he did two perfect takes, and then I said, "Okay, do you want to do another?" And he said, "You said two. and I was like, "Again, this guy's going to be a star, the next Adam Driver." We'll let him know, and he will be thrilled. Oh man! Um, but you know, you talk about Liam being present as an actor, and I think that's one of the things that we've learned from him in life. Because that's who he is in life. And it took us a it took us a while to kind of figure it out because a lot of people will, you know, because of those qualities, call him an angel or attribute different labels to that behavior. And it took us a while to just realize that the thing about him in life is that he's always present. There's there's never an ulterior motive. There's nothing that's that's dry sometimes what something that he wants, but it's not like um there's never an, a manipulation really there. And um, he just has that power to just be just right there. And he causes you to do it. Yeah. Incredible. And I felt it like when I was around him. And I think sometimes ascribing labels like angel or he's perfect or he's pure love, like that can be just as condescending to a person with a disability as being negative about them because it creates a simplistic, I mean, you would know better than me, but like calling Liam an angel simplifies the complexity of who he is, which is like, I saw some moments where he got mad at you guys or had a feeling just like any 11 year old, any 12 year old would. And I think the fact that he gets to be multifaceted in your house and it's not just like, oh, Liam is our perfect embodiment of love on this earth because he is that, but he also is many other things just like every person. I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head over and over again. It's exactly how we, we think. And it, it, it just took us 12 years probably to get to this point. And I'm curious about your idea of, of the, how this happened in your life that you think this way. But we just want to see this so much more in life, in the industry, of course. And from the beginning, from when we met you on a FaceTime call. Which had a big delay. And I was very embarrassed because I felt like I was answering you like three minutes. Every time I'd be like, hi, Liam. And he'd answer like two minutes later. And I was like, oh, this is a disaster. I'm stuck in Malibu. They're going to think I'm a total flake. So thank you for dealing with that delayed FaceTime call. No, you were beautiful. I mean, to be honest, I I knew of you and your work. I hadn't delved into it like I have since. So I didn't know what I was, we didn't 100% know what we were getting into. And just right away, just your words you used about what you wanted and the vision and exactly what you're saying now. We just want that to be the you thing. You kind of spoiled it for anybody who came, who comes behind because you. it was everything that we could have hoped for. I'm so glad. It, it really was. I wasn't just saying it when I said I would love to work with Liam again because he really inspires me. Like it just, it inspires me to work with him. Like I can see he can't, it's not just one character he can play. He can play lots of different characters. And I would love to direct him just like you've had the chance to direct him as he gets older and see him. And, you know, I think for me, I, you know, as I said, I've dealt with chronic health issues and I also have dealt with just a lot of very specific labeling in my public life, whether it's like she's 
naughty or she's crazy or she's wild or she's, you know, a voice of feminism or, and it's like every label felt like restrictive. And like, I was always going to fail if I was Mm. given such a narrow parameters for existing. And the other thing is like, I really didn't enjoy making work that was about a lot of different things and then constantly having it be reduced to what my body looked like. Um, And that was, I think, a real turning point for me as I was like, wow, it's so interesting that you can come to people and bury your whole soul. And the only thing that they're capable of really responding to is your physical form, which I think says a lot about the world that we live in. And that it's like, there's so many different people, whether they're dealing with a disability or whether it's just about their body type or whether it's about race or religion, who are dealing with people responding only to kind of the most exterior levels of who they are. And it took me a while to realize, okay, what is the thing that I find most unsettling about how people have responded to me since my work has been in the world? And I realized so much of it was feeling limited to this idea that people have just from their first glance at you. And so I really wanted that to be different for everybody in the movie. You know, one of the families in the movie, Liam is one of their children. One of the families in the movie has a single mother. One of her daughters is black. One of her daughters is white. One of her daughters is more precocious. One of her daughters is more innocent. And like just playing with people's perceptions of us, what they might think about who we are based on first glance is something that I always want to do as a director. And I think is what you guys are doing when you make films with Liam in them, when you engage with Liam. Well, I, I have said this before too. I feel more concerned about my 14 year old daughter in the world than Liam. I feel like wow. Liam looks in the mirror and likes himself all the time. Liam knows he has friends. Even when I go, I don't know if he has a lot of friends. He's happy about the friend he has or the friends he, he sees or it he as sees friends. Or he sees like people and he sees like, he'll be like, that person, I love them. And let's bring that person over. So it, he's not And that's concerned. enough too. He feels like the world is on his side. Yeah. Which I think what's probably what you see. And Sophia is, you know, your listeners know, but she's an amazing, brilliant, polite girl, but probably is dealing with the thing that every teenage girl is, which is it doesn't really matter what you're thinking about or who you are or what your intentions are because teenage girls are reduced, especially in the digital age. I don't mean to sound like an old fogey, but they're reduced to like what they have to offer on like a physical. And by the way, being an incredibly beautiful team, I mean, Sophia is a completely beautiful, lovely, but like being an appealing, engaging 14 year old girl is just as hard as being a shy, acne ridden teenage girl because the expectations are just so messy. Mm -hmm. You know, and and there's no guarantee that for as beautiful as maybe everyone would think she is, that she feels that way about herself. How does that happen? And I don't think we can make that happen. We can, we can tell, she does need her parents to tell her that she's I mean, we do it, but you don't have to say how great she is. And, uh, and that I think just, she does. She, I don't I know if that does. matters as much as just how, what she thinks, you know, and, 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 and the pressure she puts on herself. And I think when we talk about being in the present moment, that's where Liam is so in the present moment. It, he doesn't put this negative connotation on himself. Even when he doesn't do something right, he will apologize for it and be a little upset about it. But then he's, he's back. He doesn't take it on as if it's like his entire identity. Exactly. We're all walking around beating ourselves up and being so critical. And I think that's everyone, but especially 
women in the society. Like I remember, you know, after I got married and I have learned a lot about what I want to share on. And I think it's beautiful that you as a dad, by the way, Stephen, understand that and are able to hone in on it. And I, you know, I don't look at social media ever because I learned the hard way not to do it. But after my husband, and I got married, you know, I shared a few pictures and just because it was an amazing experience for me. And I was so excited to have found this person I wanted to do this thing with. And people had kind of really lovely comments. And so I went to my husband, oh, I'm just going to look on your Instagram and look at the comments. And it's like, there's a lovely ones at the top. And then you go down and literally every single comment was someone being like, well, he's really handsome and she's fat. So he must want to be with her for money or, oh my God, she looks like a whale in that dress or she should be really concerned. I think she's gained some weight since girls. And I was like, the instinct by people to dissect women's bodies. And then, and in, and I just, you know, when I was in high school, we didn't have, we barely had cell phones and I still had plenty of anxiety about what, I mean, I look back at myself now and I go, what a beautiful, bright-eyed, joyful person, but that's not how I saw myself. And so it must be, I mean, how do you as parents deal with like Sophia being exposed to, you know, social media, to the, to the culture that like a show like Euphoria documents, you know? Yeah. Well, with it's you, hard. with you, it's funny because with Euphoria, we both, we, we love Zendaya and She's amazing. Um, I was like, well, let me watch it. Let me watch it first. Cause that's what I'll do is I, I feel like I have to go in because maybe my parameters are, might be a little tighter than, you know, uh, some other people. And so I'll go in and watch it. And I watched the first episode and I was just like, so we're not going to watch that. <laughs> we're, it's just, we're just going to, you can like, maybe when my you're friend 18. told me she's been watching it and she has two teenagers and she's like, I'm letting them watch it. She's like, but it's giving me a nervous breakdown. I used it as, because I want to watch it because I know that, um, you know, like Sophia was bullied and she didn't tell us about it for like how much it hurt her until she was like in the fourth grade. Years like later. Years later. So. I watched it to inform me on, you know, and I sat down and I talked to her about, so this is what the program is about. And it was just more the full, the male full frontal that I was just like, I don't, maybe not. Yeah, maybe we'll wait. And I did ask her, I said, this is some of the stuff they talk about. Are, are these, does this go on? Cause it is an art school that she's at and it is a smaller community and it is theater and theater people. And there, it is more inclusive by nature, Mm -hmm. but I used it to have conversations with her that like, to me, it would be easier to just put blinders on, but I just want to be able to be open and say, Hey, this might be, I might sound like crazy mom who is just, you know, so silly, but I just want to ask you, this is what I'm seeing. Are these some of the challenges that are at your school? Do you experience this? Do you talk about this? You know, a lot of times I get the, no mom, (laughs) but I just, I want her to feel comfortable with talking about it. And, and I just want to know what might come her way. Like just, she went to a birthday party, you know, and it's Memorial day weekend. And there was this thing that came out to school and it said, there's a lot of ecstasy that's reached Los Angeles. That's riddled with fentanyl. And I said, look, I know that you don't do drugs, but I, this is, I just want to give you this information that was handed to me. And I just want you to have that information because we don't know and we can trust, but we know that at some point, like they, at every point they have their own life and they're becoming their own person. And, but it's so great that you can say that. Like I was just talking to my brother about one of the things, you know, I'm really, really close with my parents and 
And by the way, they loved Liam in the movie. He was like their favorite. They gave me lots of notes as we were editing, but there was never a note on Liam. But, um, you know, one of my favorite things about my mom is like from a really early age, she just destigmatized so many topics. And I think that's one of the reasons when people will say, okay, why did you feel free in your work to talk about these things is because my mother never made anything a source of shame. Like, even if it had been shameful for her because she grew up in, you know, the post-war suburbia, she really like went the opposite way. Like something she said to us early on is if anyone ever makes you feel uncomfortable in the way they touch you, in the way that they look at you, you have the right. I know we tell you to be polite to adults. You don't have to be polite to people who make you feel unsafe. And you can always tell us and I'll always believe you. And just having one person in the world who says to you, I'll always believe you, that changes your life. And I remember like, I had an experience when I was in fifth grade where a teacher was spoke to me in a way that was somewhat inappropriate. And I knew other girls later who had had similar things happen, who had really buried it inside and blamed themselves because my mother was so open with me without giving me too much information or scaring me. I felt comfortable to go to her and say, okay, I don't feel safe in this class. And she was able to go to the head of the school, advocate for me. And like, that is because she was always like, you are allowed to tell me anything. This is a safe space. You're never going to be in trouble if you come and share something with me that's not, there's no consequences. And that is, you know, she was strict in other areas, but she created this open dialogue around bodily autonomy, keeping yourself safe. And I meet so many other people who didn't feel that way in their households. And so now I realize how unique it was. And I feel like that's what you're creating for Sophia, which is like, I know you, I trust you, but I just have to give you this information. And then you, it was interesting because when I was in the process, you know, I want to adopt children. And so I started the process of interviews in California. And one of the questions that they ask you, I was like, almost like, I wish every parent had to go through this because they ask you so many questions about how you plan to parent. And it's like, wow, like you, sh- you don't even need a license to parent. This is crazy. So I feel kind of lucky I've had to go through this process, but they said, how were you disciplined and how do you plan to discipline your child? And it really took me a sec. I was like, can I get back to you guys tomorrow? And what came out and what I felt is I was like, you know, I think that the way that my parents disciplined us was to say, okay, there's choices you can make. And one of the choices might lead to you feeling really good. And one of the choices might lead to certain consequences you don't like as much you are a person who has the opportunity to make choices, but like, let's see where they both lead. But having to reflect on that and to reflect on how you would deal with difference in your family, how you would deal with certain questions that come up with having adopted kid. I feel like it's a lot crosses over with some of the stuff that you've had to think about with Liam. That's so beautifully articulated. Yeah. I think that's going to make its way into future conversation because it's hard to articulate that. It's really hard to articulate that and have it be presented in a, in a neutral way where there's not some kind of like, I don't, I really work hard not to put any of my fears onto something so that way she can breathe into it. And that I, I, that's really beautifully articulated. Well, I feel like meeting you guys and my experience with Liam really made its way into that process for me. And I was going to tell you that actually, um, you know, this is something that I haven't even shared with anyone, but you know, in that process, they ask you, you know, what kind of placements would you be open to? And I think meeting you two and seeing how you parent Liam really put me into space where I was like, okay, there's a lot more different kinds of children and ways of having a child that I didn't even conceive that I would be open to. And I was sort of like anyone, literally anyone. And that I think came from, I think so many parents have 
kind of put their own fears onto their child of, okay, if my child is X, then they're not going to have the kind of life they want if my child is Y. And you guys really showed me like, that doesn't have to be so constrictive. And so it really, I think, will change my future in a lot of ways to have met you. That makes me so happy. If you had told me that we would be in the place that we are right now with our 14-year-old daughter and 12-year-old son at the moment of the diagnosis that we received of him, I wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. I wouldn't have but seen I think that. It was, I think that has a lot to do with what, what we're trying to change is the way that the diagnosis is presented and received, the hand that deals it. And I think it's changing. I'm, I'm always hopeful that it continues to change. And to see something firsthand puts a different impression on you of what it all means rather than some doctor telling you something, right? And that's exactly what I, I think this film and other films that can use this kind of model can bring to the world where people almost firsthand with the film viewing sees something in a way that is true, not in a way that is handed down through like a clinical kind of, let me tell you all the bad stuff, you know? And this could be for anything, you know? Yes. Amazing. It is so the highlight of my week and weekend to talk to you. And I'm just really excited for ways that we together around the movie can just share about Liam. And, you know, I know you that we're going to speak more, but you know, anything, I really want to share some specifics about him and because I'm going to highlight the whole cast on Instagram. And it's just important to me that people get a dose of who he is. And I had an idea, like I could do like, you know, a little video interview with him. He can like, I hope we he can come to the mirror and take pictures with us. Like, and it's so fun also to like, when I was like, you're a great actor. And Liam was like, I know <laughs> that's the attitude that I wish we all had. Why do we all feel like we need to defer compliments? I don't know. Gosh, I don't know. Why do we have to be, you know, in the twilight of our years to go, wow, back then it was so great, right? Can't we live that way now where we go, I'm actually like in the here present and moment, doing it. like Liam. Let's call it pulling a Liam. And then yeah. just if anyone gives you a compliment for a month, just say, I know. Thanks. Yes. By the way, my husband actually does that. Every time I say to my husband, like, you're so talented, he's like, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> he manages to make it seem kind of sweet rather than egotistical. Right. And when we were first dating, I would go, I like you so much. And he would go, why? Mm. And I was like, oh, you want me to list it? And it wasn't like he was saying why, like in a self-effacing way, like it gave him pleasure to have me make a list of great things about him. And I was like, wow, he's really changing my perception about how you can talk about yourself. Isn't that great? It's so great. I actually feel that there are certain people who come into your life and Liam's one of them for me and just kind of explode your notion of what the world can look like. And it's really special. Oh, well, you're, you're such a delight. We're so blessed to have been introduced to you. And I would never have thought that, I, I guess I, I would never have thought that we each had so much to give to each other, you know, when we first met each other. It's really special. And I feel like I'm so excited to just continue to see Liam and Sophia grow up and to continue. Like when you left set, I was like, we will keep in touch. And I like knew, you know, sometimes set is like camp and you know, certain people you're going to write letters with and certain people you're never going to talk to again. And with you guys, I was like, we will remain friends outside of camp. Well, we love you. I love you both. I really hope that one day that you understand the the life changing. And it's not, it's the reason why I wanted to have this conversation, because it's not a conversation about movie making, though your voice um, in cinema and your art is, is the voice that we want because you're just, you for both of our children, you're breaking down barriers Thank and you're you. having conversations you. and you're creating an inclusive 
world and attitude and society. But it's just when you came into our life, where we had been in our in just in our in our and it and it was a brutal fight with the school system for Liam to just receive an education, like his civil right to an education. Which by the way, I never would have known about if it weren't for you. Like I did not know how hard it was in America, a place where people are promised. I mean, we know that the American dream is a very complicated idea, but that being said, we know that like just to learn how challenging it is to get an education for a child who has very clear and specific needs. It's it's really troubling. And it's also interesting now living in England, a place where there are, they are much more um, accommodating, but you know, it's a place with universal healthcare. It's a place that has public schools that offer accommodations. And so it really highlights some of the discrepancies in a real way. A lot of our guests are, are in England and yeah. different supports that are over there are always just always so like, wow, lovely to so talk nice. about. And it brings hope, right? And, but you did, you, you came in and you reminded us what's out there, Lena. You reminded us what, like we had gotten so sucked into this vacuum of fighting for people to see as our child is equal, knowing who he is, but just fighting so hard, those misperceptions that were placed on him and the boundaries that they put up. And then we met you and it was a reminder of really the decency in the world and the hope and the change. Thank and you. you changed us in that way. It's so super cool. Liam is in a film. And also that that film just so beautifully. And you as an editor and a creator, you made that choice to not propagate any stereotypes. Thank you. And it means so much that I felt like you were lending us this amazing resource. And I really hope that... I get to work with Liam and by extension your family more. And I just feel really lucky to know and love you guys. And thank you for including me in your incredible life and your incredible podcast and introducing me to your incredible children. Well, you're well, pretty you. incredible. So yeah. we're just going to gush some more. We love you. Yeah. Love you. We love you. I love you. This was such a joy. Please follow us on Twitter at if we knew then pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at if we knew then pod. Or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. If We Knew Then.